Hello, and welcome to the Queen Trail podcast. Queen Trail, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. I am Syl Annan, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. In the company of friends, we can laugh, discover, appreciate, and support each other. So I hope that you will join me where I will talk about everything that makes up the rich and diverse fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate vibrant conversation together. Welcome. Hi there and welcome back. I hope life's been good to you since the last episode. We are full throttle into the busyness of the holidays and things can get pretty hectic with everything that's crammed into December. I mean, there's work, gift shopping, getting together with friends, parenting, house guests. It can be really hard to whittle in any time for yourself. So I really hope that you took the exercise I gave you last week to heart and are acknowledging your wins. So much has happened since the last time we talked and it's only been like a week, right? For the record, I'm trying to put out one podcast a week, but that might fluctuate until I get fully into the swing of things. There was a solar eclipse that everybody missed because it was directly over the South Pole. I know that it was live streamed by NASA, but I'm one of those people who likes to experience things in a live, full terror in your face kind of way. Life is more interesting that way. I know that you're probably thinking there is nothing terrifying about an eclipse, but if excitement isn't already built into an experience, I will add it. (laughs) I'll turn anything into an adventure. One of my many mottos, and I have a lot, is that life is meant to be lived. I'm totally with Hunter S. Thompson on this one. Like he said, when life is over, skid in broadside on a cloud of smoke. (laughs) Honestly, if I'd had the time to plan a trip to the South Pole and picnic on top of an iceberg while watching the solar eclipse, I totally would have. And yes, the picnic basket would have included a pair of safety glasses. Speaking of NASA, safety glasses. Speaking of NASA, safety glasses and eclipses, my cousin Gina is an astronomer. She has a long career with NASA and other astronomy organizations. She can also make a rock star sangria. You know what? Forget about the sangria. She makes killer jello shots too, to enjoy while owning the kitchen like Julia Child's ghost possessed her. I totally love this girl. And just before the big eclipse in August of 2017, she sent over viewing glasses made especially for eclipse viewing. So my daughter Sophie and I made up some very important reasons to disappear from high school and work to watch it. For real, what could possibly be more important than a mother and daughter bonding by playing hooky and wearing dorky glasses on some pier while the moon looks like it's taking a bite out of the sun? 
I posted a picture from that day on the social media pages a few days ago. As you will see, and here on this program, Sophie and I are as bonded as a mom and daughter can be. In fact, as it happens, we were texting each other from our respective bathrooms while planning the escape. That happens a lot, actually. I'll never forget texting her to ask if she had any tests over the next few days and if she wanted to leave ASAP to head to Arizona and catch up with my dad. An hour later, we were on the road with our camera and recording equipment chasing after a 76-year-old guy riding his bicycle from the South Bay to Bullhead City, Arizona. Solo. Crazy cool, right? The first time he did this, my sister called and said that I needed to talk to him because he had this crazy idea and he wouldn't listen to her or my mom. So I talked to Charlie. We call him Charlie because he's my stepdad. I asked him about the route, which was directly through the Mojave Desert. Not exactly the most hospitable territory for riding your bike through, right? And frankly, after listening to my mom and sister, I expected his response to be more of an idea than a solidly developed plan. So I was prepared to try to talk him out of it. And then he began telling me about where he'd be on the road, where he'd hop onto the bike path along the San Gabriel River and where he'd hop back off. He detailed the toughest parts of the ride, where he expected to be blinded by the sunrise in his side view mirror, rest stops, distances, how much he and the bike weighed together, water filling stops, belly filling stops, and the very barest of things that he would take with him to avoid adding more weight. He even had stats and reasons on the durability and dependability of everything from brakes to handlebars to screws and wheels on the bicycle itself. To say that I was blown away by the detail of his plan is an understatement. He was a lanky, frail-looking 73-year-old man at that time, sitting in a chair in the middle of my sister's living room with the afternoon sun washing over him. And I'll never forget, it's a picture in my mind, how he gently put his hand over his chest and solemnly said, I know every part of this route by heart. I know it sounds sappy, but he looked like an Eagle Scout in that moment. And who the hell says no to an Eagle Scout? Besides, this wasn't a crazy plan. This was a kick-ass plan. This is the reason that I live for adventure and automatically throw it into everything that I do. Don't get me wrong. My mom's no slouch either. I mean, she married this nut for a reason, right? And I want to be just like him when I'm in my 70s. That was the start of solo rides for him twice a year. I made him promise that he would text me and let me know his progress a couple of times a day. He texted a picture of his bike in front of the welcome to Joshua Tree sign the first day and, and called me from Banning where he had planned to stop for the night. It was only about noon at that time and he wanted to push on to Amboy. Of course, I tried to dissuade him, but he went on anyway and ended up spending a freezing night in a room at Roy's Diner. And then to his surprise in the morning, and despite my warnings that it was shuttered, he had to eat a breakfast of potato chips and soda from the vending machine. Not exactly the breakfast of champions, but it got him far enough so he could get himself a proper breakfast a little bit later. Of course, 
He didn't tell me about that when he sent updates. He ended up hanging out for about a week with his sisters in Arizona, Judy and Joanne and Joanne's husband, Chuck. And then after that, it was time for him to do the trip in reverse. I later learned that he didn't tell me a lot of things about those rides, especially that first one, like when he passed out twice from dehydration on Sandy Berms on the way back and Good Samaritan stopped to make sure that he was okay. Or the time when he was stalked and chased by a pack of coyotes at 3 a.m. on an empty desert road. Or all the times he had to ride his bike on tight highways with barely a shoulder and semis hauling past him at high speeds. Not to mention the shady sleeping situations because of bad weather. After a few years of these odysseys, his name was legendary in the circles he moved in. And even in those he didn't move in. Mine. I'd been working in film for quite some time, and my dad's twice yearly journeys really caught my attention, as well as that of my friends and colleagues. We wanted to do a documentary on him, and we set about working to gather a crew. I contacted my cousin Paul, who has a business that implements drones for search and rescue operations, as well as mapping terrain and much more, and he was totally down to join us on Charlie's next ride. Then, I get a call at work about two weeks before go time. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning and he tells me that he's in Arizona already and that he should have told me, but he just decided at the last minute and didn't want to bother everybody. He had left the week before. What? I can't tell you all of the emotions that surged through me at that moment. But when I got myself together, I glommed onto hope. Maybe we could still head up and at least film his return ride. So I asked him when he was leaving. Tomorrow, I almost started crying. All of the planning had just fallen through. There was no way I'd be able to scramble together a crew to get to Arizona and be ready to shoot at three o'clock the following morning. It really was looking like we'd have to wait another six months. And then I texted my partner in crime. Hey, Soph, do you have any upcoming tests this week? Grandpa's in Arizona and coming back tomorrow. I need to film his ride back. Can you miss a couple of days of school? Sophie said yes, and the adventure began. She actually told one of her teachers what was going on, and the teacher promised to give her extra credit if she brought pictures in. She thought it was the coolest thing she'd ever heard. So we pulled into Arizona about 8 p.m. just before my dad had to hit the hay. All of his cycling gear was laid out on the bathroom counter and his bike was against the wall ready to go. So I woke up at 3 a.m. and photographed him leaving and watched him ride off into the darkness. We'd meet up a little bit later. He had already told me the route. But when I got back into the room, I saw a note that he had written. It had more detail, like closed roads and washed out bridges that we'd have to cross to follow him. Don't worry about detours, he wrote. <laughs> They're bumpy, but you won't get stuck. <laughs> it ended up being a blast, of course. Unfortunately, a lot of the film is unusable, but I'm working on interviews and getting footage of various locations so I can get the documentary finished. I feel it's a story that should be shared and just underscores the adage that age is just a number. I'll, of course, let you know when the project is completed. 
I'm also going to add a snippet of an audio track of my dad talking about how tired he was when he hit 29 palms on that first trip. So be sure to stay past the end notes so you can listen. That's where I'm going to put it at. So getting back to the eclipse and picnicking on an iceberg, I think that's definitely going to happen in my future with or without an eclipse. It sounds amazing. And I've even been thinking about what will go in the picnic basket while I've been talking about my dad's bike ride. Crusty bread, Kalamata olives, an array of cheeses, of course, a can of whitefish and mustard sauce, strawberries, chocolate, nuts, wine. I want you to write me and tell me what your favorite picnic items are, your wildest adventures, what makes you come alive. And let's not forget the things that bring magic into your life, especially this time of year with Christmas just a couple of weeks away. I've actually got a stack of Christmas cards that I got behind on. I finished them this morning, but they're on the table and ready to go. They are such a treasured tradition here, and I love adding my flair for photography, film, and fantasy to create really fun picture cards. I recently reminisced going back through some of them, and there's one from 2017 where we chose a nostalgic theme with modern touches, and the location is on a clifftop above the sea at sunset. The results were spectacular. People actually stopped to compliment us or ask what we were doing. It really struck a nerve during the shoot, which was a little crazy because our original photographer got sick that morning and I frantically began calling friends for help. I got really lucky when my friend Antoinette picked up and said she'd do it. If you have a friend like this, don't let her go. Antoinette is such a treasure. I literally can't believe that I have her in my life. And she is a damn good photographer too. There's a series of great Christmas photo shoots that we have, like a super fun and groovy 1970s pictorial at Venice Beach and an interstellar adventure at the Bronson Caves, aka Batman's Lair. They really are among some of my most treasured memories, and I put a few of them up to share with you. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the Queen Trail Podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E Podcast. After my son Cameron joined the Army, we didn't really have that many opportunities for big shoots anymore. We did do an elegant shoot at a former missile site his first year back, but after that, I just choose pictures from our visits. To me, Christmas cards are just part of the magic of the season, and I'm always delighted to receive them. It's like opening a gift every time. Okay, friends, that's all that I've got for this week please be sure to check out the website. I'm planning to put up a recipe for dry rubbed Cornish game hens with citrus and pistachios. That's big on wow, but really easy on time and prep. Also head over to the social media sites for pictures, updates, and encouragement. I am the Queen Trail. You can find me at thequeentrailpodcast.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the same name. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast.com. Until next time, I wish you grace, elegance, passion, and beauty. You had told me that you passed out twice on the way back on that first trip. 
I did what? Did what? You didn't have enough water? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I took 62 all the way from the 95 by the river. I'll never do that again. I, 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 it was a long time since I took a road. I had no idea how, rough, how long and how steep that climb was coming out of the river. You know, I didn't know in that. I, yeah, I, I kind of bonked out on that. When I got to 29 pounds, I was so tired, I just collapsed.